0: Well, happy new year Yeah, some of you are still awake some of y'all are waking up from staying up too late last night uh, how many of you stayed up to watch the ball drop a few of you how many of you were in bed by like 9 30 yeah that was that was my crew we were done early uh, hey thanks for being here today if you're watching online and joining us online we appreciate you uh, tuning in and being uh, with us this morning you know, the first of the year is always that time of the year where everybody sets resolutions and, and goals. And, and I'm not a big resolution setter. Um, in fact, for the last several years, my New Year's resolution has been to not set a New Year's resolution. and And part of that reason is because resolutions tend to be focused on... I'm changing something negative about me, which is a good thing. Like, if you got something that's negative in your life, you know, I'm going to stop smoking or I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going to lose weight or whatever. Those are all good things to to strive toward. But they're always more negative focused. And so I've been more on a, I'm going to set goals. Because goals are something that I can work toward. And here's also the reality about resolutions. Like, everybody makes a resolution, we're going to work out more and be healthier. And by February 15th, the gyms are empty. Um, If you're a gym goer, if you regularly attend the gym uh, right now, just don't like the next week, all right? Because there's going to be all kinds of new people there and they're going to take up your machines and they're not going to put up the equipment right and all of those kind of things because they just don't know. But by the middle of February they'll be gone and you can go back to your normal workout routine and it'll be fine. But so I've been more of a goal setter the last few years and this year I asked the staff to set some goals and they did, and we, they've given them to me, and we're, we've talked about them, and we're looking at how we can be a more productive staff, how we can better minister in this community. I set some goals for me, and I don't mind telling you a couple of those goals. One of those goals that is often a resolution is to, to lose some weight. I think you lead better when you feel better, and so one of those goals for me is I need to, I need to lose about 20 pounds. Um, but I've also set some goals for the church. And these are just things that I want to see us as a, as a church just do better and, and, and maybe strive for. You know, each week we talk about leading people to love and follow Jesus. And these are things that I think help us do that. For instance, I'll give you our, our first goal that I set. Is that I want more people involved in worship. More people to be involved in worship. That's, and you're going to notice in here, the highlight part is gather. Because I think there's a system here that we can use where we gather, grow, and go. All right, that's, that's going to be the three key words, gather, grow, and go. I want more people to be a part of our gathering. And honestly, who doesn't want that? I mean, there are, you never hear anybody say that out loud anyway. There's always those people that will say, you know, I like our church the way it is. Oh, that's good. I, look, I love the way our church is. I love everybody here. But I want more people to be a part of it. Not so that we say, oh, look how great our church is. But we can say, look how many more souls are on the road to heaven. I mean, isn't that what ultimately it's about? It's not about how how big our attendance numbers are each week. It's about how many souls are moving toward heaven. And that's what we want. And so we want more people to be involved in our gathering. Because this gathering, as Tommy mentioned in his communion meditation, this gathering is about helping us to focus on the source of our joy and the source of our hope. Um, Honestly, I'm going to tell you, people that don't attend church regularly, I don't know how they make it through the week. Um, with all the things that happen in your week. I mean, just think about your normal week. There's a lot of probably frustrations and disappointments and just kind of let me down. And so I don't know how people that, that don't attend church regularly make it through because this is what lifts me up. This is what says, okay, I'm going to make it to the next Sunday. This, I, I, I've come in and I've been filled up. And, and look, honestly, at some point you've got to start filling yourself up too. You, gotta, you, gotta, you can't just depend on Sunday morning to fill you up. You've got to do your own stuff. But this is what kind of motivates me to get to the next Sunday, is being with the family of God. And we talk a lot about being a community and a family, and that's what Glendale Christian Church is. We're a family. Um, That's been evident in the last couple of days uh, for a lot of people, uh, where their church family has just kind of come around and surrounded them. Uh, Junior Brown, many of you know Junior Brown. Junior's been a longtime member. Uh, I was talking with him uh, Monday, I think, and may, it might not have been Monday. It's, I've slept since then, but uh, we were trying to figure out who the oldest person in the church was, and we discovered it wasn't him. It's Mr. Tap, uh, but Junior's not far behind him. But Junior has had some health issues here recently. He had a, he had a stroke, and he's at home now recovering. And and our church family has rallied around him. And you know he's he's living by himself. He's working toward independence. But our church family is going to take him a couple of meals a couple of weeks uh, for every day or every week for a couple of weeks. That's what church family does. That's what family does. We surround ourselves when, when we have members that lose loved ones. Our family surrounds them and lifts them up and comforts them and, 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 and all of those kind of things. And we want more people to be a part of that, to be a part of our gathering. Because our gathering is what gives us joy and hope. I want more people to be involved in Bible studies. You know, that's, if, if we gather, if that's the first kind of entry step into the church, then, then growing is the second part of that. And so we need more people to be involved in, in, in Bible studies where they're actually learning what the Word of God says and feeding themselves. Because look, I can, I've got 52 Sundays, right? That's how many Sundays are in a year. We've got 52 Sundays. There is no way we're going to cover everything in the Bible in 52 Sundays. in 30 minutes, if you're lucky. 30 minutes, right? There's just no way. There, it can't be done. And so at some point, you've got to pick up the Bible and, and study with, on your own, and maybe with other with other people. I mean, it's it's so much more easier to do when you're with other people, right? For those that set resolutions, and your resolution is to go to the gym, and you want to be successful in that, find a workout buddy. Find a workout buddy, because if you're dependent upon doing it on your own, by middle February, you'll quit. But if you've got somebody that says, hey, we're going to the gym today, and then you're that person for them, guess what? You're more likely to stick with it. And so we need more people to be involved in Bible study so that they can grow and grow together as the family of God. And so we want to gather and grow. And we want to be involved in service. We need more people involved in service. That's the going part. That's being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's that's living out our mission, right? Our mission is to lead people to love and follow Jesus. How do we best do that? How do you best show somebody that you love them and you love Jesus? You serve them. That's how Jesus did it. I mean, think about how Jesus did it with his disciples. What did he do? He washed their feet. He washed their feet. The leader got down on his hands and his knees and he washed their feet to show them that he loved them. If we want to show people that we love them, we will be the hands and feet, and maybe that means that we got to wash some feet. Maybe that means that we do we do a little bit more of of the grunt and the dirty stuff that maybe we we think is only reserved for a couple of people. We're we're involved in service, so we gather and we grow and then we go. Because that's what Jesus said, right, in the great commission. If you're going if you're going to be my disciple, what are you going to do? You're going you're going to go and you're going to make disciples. See this go part uh, is is maybe one of the most important parts of all of this, of this gather and grow, grow and go. Because if we gather and our gathering doesn't make a difference on Monday, then what have we really gathered for? If, if what we do today doesn't make a difference tomorrow, then what have we really been here for? And if, and if we're just content to, to, to have somebody spoon feed us and we don't grow, then, well, if you're not growing, you're dying. But all of those things lead to us going, which is, which is where Jesus put the emphasis, right? He said, if you're going to be my disciples, you're going to go and you're going to make disciples. So you're going to tell people, you're going you're to lead people to love and follow Jesus, and you're going to do it by going to them, by serving them. So those are the, really the three big things that I want us to, as a church to, to do this year. To gather, to grow, and to go. There are a couple others that, that I think are important. Um, I want you to, to identify a life verse. I think this is something important for all of us, that, that there's a, a, maybe a certain passage of Scripture that just speaks to you more than any others. I'm going to share with you mine here in just a moment. But just, there's something about <coughs> having a, a life verse that, that, man, when things get tough, when things are good, that you can just go back to, it and, and it's that verse that just sparks joy and sparks hope, that maybe provides comfort, that gives peace. For me, it's, uh, there's two of them. Uh, Romans 8 28 and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose man I love that verse you know why because it says God works in all things to the good for those who love him who've been according to his purpose there's a promise there that, that God is going to work in all things not not just in the in the things that God uh, deals with not just in the good things, but also in the bad things. Not just in the big things, but also in the small things. God is going to work in all things. And for those who love Him and who are, who are working according to His purpose, there's a promise in there that He will work it to the good. In a few minutes, I'm going to share a couple examples of how I've seen that play out. Then Psalm 30, verse 5 is my other one. It's sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes with the morning. You know why I, lo- I love that verse? Because there's a promise there. There's a promise that, yeah, it might be tough for a season. It might be tough for tonight, but there is joy that comes. There's a renewal that comes, with, with, and it comes with hope. When the sun rises the next morning, it's the promise of a new day. It's a promise that the old is gone. What, what happened yesterday is behind you, and what, what you have to focus on today is what's in front of you. And man, that, that gives me hope because let's be honest, some days are tough. Some days aren't worth getting out of bed for, are they? But man, when the, the, the promise of a new day, and there's joy that comes with that day. When, when we talk about our, our going to people, one of the things that I think as a church that we should do better, um, and that I think this is individually and collectively, is that we need to tell our story. Look, everybody in here has a story to tell. You have a story to tell. I have a story to tell. And people love good stories, don't they? I mean, if you think about what Jesus, how he taught, most of how he taught was with stories. He told stories. Why? Because people are engaged with stories. People love a good story. They, they kind of sit on the edge of their seat, and they're, they're waiting to hear what happens next. And so Jesus told stories to engage people. Stories are icebreakers. They're, they're conversation starters. They're, they're a foot-in-the-door kind of method. And I think for us as a church... If we'll begin to tell our story, individually tell our story, we'll engage with people better. Collectively, if we'll tell our story. As a church, I mean, it's kind of, that was kind of our, our point for our homecoming service a couple months ago, and especially with Mike, was to have him tell kind of the story of Glendale Christian Church, how we started, how, how we got here, how, how we are where we're at now. It was just a good reminder that, that stories are powerful tools and so I want to tell you my story. And I'm, oftentimes people are uh, afraid to tell their story because maybe there's something that's embarrassing in their story and, and they don't, they, they're not proud of it and they don't want to talk about that. And, and look, that might be true. But know this, that God can use those moments to redeem those moments. God can redeem those moments. Maybe your story is just kind of blah and you're like, ah, there's nothing really super exciting that's happened in my life. You know, I've, I've never been to prison. I've never, you know, whatever, and those kind of things. Hey, you know what? Thank God that you have that kind of story. Thank God that you have that kind of story. Because I'm going to tell you, that's really kind of my story. My story, there's not a lot of excitement in it. Um, I grew up in the church. I was born in the middle of a two-week revival when, when they still had those things, right? By day three, I was in the church. By day three, I was at church. And really, I've not ever known a time in my life when I haven't been in church, when church hasn't been a part of my life. Um, my grandfather was a preacher, and so if we weren't at my church, my home church there in Willisburg, we were at the church that he was preaching at. And he preached a lot of revivals, and my mom would sing it at a lot of different revivals. And so we went to church a lot. Uh, it seemed like we were always going to some revival service somewhere. And so we were in church a lot. And there was a certain point in time, though, when I got bored with church. Um, it just didn't seem to spark a lot of joy Um, and I and look I know that's not unusual or uncommon for many of you either Um, especially those of you have kids your kids you get you're getting ready on a Sunday morning and you're like hey it's time to get up for church and they're like oh we got to go to church it's so boring and what's your response you go I know honey now put your shoes on let's go right that's what we do because we just know that this is what you're going to do and so that was me at a certain point, so I just kind of checked out. And, you know, I still went to church. I was there every Sunday, and I was there mainly and didn't really complain about it because I had a healthy fear of my mother, still do, and, and she was going to make sure that I was there, but I was a pew filler. I sat in a pew. I didn't engage with anything. I was there, and then somewhere starting in my high school years, that was more around my middle school years, my high school years, some adults noticed that I had lost interest, that I had kind of checked out, and they began to invest in me. In fact, there was a summer of camp. And, and look, I'm just going to tell you, if you're not involved with camp, if your kids aren't involved with camp, they need to be. Camp has the power to change lives forever. Um, it has changed mine. There was a there was a week of camp that was coming up in the summer. It was a high school week of camp. And I had decided I was done going to camp. I'd been going to camp since I was five years old. I was done going to camp. I was too old for it didn't appeal to me. more More... In my mind, I was too cool for camp, and I'll just be honest, I don't know that I've ever been too cool for anything, but, but in my mind, I was too cool for camp, and I wasn't going. And our preacher's wife caught me outside on a Sunday night in front of my mother as the high school week was about to start, and she said, hey Adam, aren't you going to camp this week? And I said, nah, I don't think so. And I tried to end the conversation right then and get away because I knew my mother was standing pretty close and she didn't realize that high school week started that, week, that day. And so my preacher's wife continued with the conversation and she finally said, well, I think this would be a really good week for you and I think you could probably use it. And my mom heard that and guess what we did? We went home, we packed my clothes, and I went to camp. And that camp turned out to be a very pivotal moment in my life. Uh, there I met a couple of, of mentors, who would, men who would become mentors for me. Uh, Doug Martin, uh, that some of you might know, he's, he's a preacher at Spencer Christian right now and works with Kentucky Christian University. Mike Napier, many of you all met a couple of years ago when we were uh, working on the Indispensable Church Project. Those men started pouring into my life and, and they, they, just, they sought me out. And they made sure that this this kid who didn't really want to be at camp, didn't want to be involved with camp, that he was going to have fun. And not only that was he going to have fun, he was going to know that there were people that he'd never met who cared about him. And because they cared about him, they weren't going to let him just be off on the fringe. You were going to be involved. And so Doug and Mike really spoke into my life, and and honestly, they changed my life. It was Doug Martin who gave me my first uh, opportunity at ministry. He said, hey, we do a summer intern project, uh, uh, project every summer at Spencer Christian. So why don't you come be my summer intern? And, and I got my first start with children's ministry and youth ministry in that moment. As, a, as still in high school myself. But, but Doug saw something. He, he saw that, hey, this kid might have some potential in this. So let's, let's get him involved. And I say that just to say this. That, look, young people, you're not too young to serve now. I was in high school And I was leading a children's ministry program, not because I knew what I was doing, not in the least, but because I had people who wanted to surround me and invest in me to make sure that I was that they were making a difference in my life and that I would make a difference in somebody else's. Mike Napier said, hey, if you're going to go into ministry, why don't you come to my church and you can preach for me on a Sunday night? I'd never preached anywhere before in my life. I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no idea how to put a sermon together. He said, that's all right. Just come on. Just, you you'll figure it out, come on, and and so I went to Shopeville Christian Church in Frankfort, Kentucky to preach my very first sermon, I preached on procrastination from from the Haggai, uh, and of the people that know me, they said, why would you preach on procrastination, how long did you put off putting this together, I said, well, I think I finished it up on the way over, you know, that kind of thing, but adults invested in me, and they renewed my interest and, and it's somewhere along those, that way, God put a, started to put a calling on my life. And I, let me rephrase that. I started hearing God's calling on my life. Because God has a calling on all of our lives. It's up to us to hear God's calling. And I'm not talking about audible voices. I've told you in the last couple of weeks, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I don't know what it sounds like. I think it sounds probably like Morgan Freeman or James Earl Jones. But, but I don't know. But I, I began to hear God's calling for my life. And like all things, that can be kind of scary. And so you try and run from God's calling, right? Uh, that's, that's a pretty common story in, in, in the scriptures. Jonah tried to do it. Just about uh, Moses tried to do it. Just about every major figure in the Old Testament at some point tried to run from God's calling. And I was no different. I tried to run from God's calling. There were a couple of other interests as I was graduating high school that I thought I might want to pursue. Even though I had already committed myself to ministry, I was going to go to Louisville Bible College. Uh, I signed up for classes there. I was all set to go. I thought, man... I don't know if I really want to be a preacher. Man, that's a that's a tough life and there's so many things that you can't do, right? Because you're a preacher and I found out most of those things weren't weren't true. But I started to try to run from God's calling and so I decided that I was going to pursue another interest of mine. Baseball. Now, you all know that I love baseball, but you probably should know this, I've never been a very good baseball player. Uh, and so, early on, I knew that if I was going to stay in the game of baseball or basketball, I was going to have to officiate. That was the way I was going to make it. And I'll just tell you, I've made a lot more money refereeing and umpiring than I would have ever made playing, okay? Uh, so, so, I think I've made a good choice there. But I thought I would just, you know, if, if God's calling me here, maybe the furthest thing that I can run to would be to go to umpire school. And so, I had it all planned out. I hadn't told my parents, I was scared to tell them, but I was going to... I had applied for for Major League Baseball umpiring school, and I was set to go to Daytona Beach. And I thought, really, I mean, even if this doesn't work out at six weeks at Daytona Beach, how bad could it be? So, I was all set to go. I was going to leave two weeks after I graduated high school. And the week after I graduated high school, there was a little bit of tragedy. Uh, In fact, there was a lot of tragedy. My best friend, who I had grown up with, who I worked with, um, he was in a boating accident and he drowned and that moment kind of sh- put things in perspective for me because there was we're standing at the funeral home and there are all these people who have who are outside of a relationship with Jesus they have no hope and, and they're mourning the loss of of a son of a grandson of a cousin of a friend and there's just no hope for them because they don't know Jesus and it was in that moment that I thought you know what this feels awful this is an awful it, And I don't want to feel this the rest of my life. And I don't want other people to feel this for the rest of my life. And so I began to renew my calling with God. And instead of going to Daytona Beach for six weeks, I went to Louisville Bible College. And it wasn't long after that that there was a day there that changed my life forever. On August the 15th, 2002, I'd moved in the week before. And classes were about to start in a couple of days. This was on a Friday. And... At Louisville Bible College, there's really one main campus building. There are four, used to be, they're not anymore now, but there used to be four apartments in the upstairs building. And so that semester, we were going to have a packed house. Uh, You could fit 12 people in in those upstairs apartments, and there were going to be 12 people living there. I was in an apartment with three other guys. There was another apartment with four guys, and then there was going to be a a married couple in one, and then there were going to be two girls in the other apartment. And so me and one of my roommates are sitting on our couch, and we're playing video games probably, and we've got our door open, which was against the rules. That was a, a, you couldn't have your door to the hallway open. I don't know why, but, but it was a, a rule. We thought it was a dumb rule, so we were going to break that rule as often as possible. And so we've got that door open, and the door from the stairwell opens, and I see a young lady walk by, and she's got a gray sweatshirt on, She's got a purple bandana in her hair. She's got purple Adidas sweatpants on and purple shoes. And I've never seen tennis shoes that had lifts on them, but they did. They were like, the bottoms of them were like that big. And she walked to the apartment next to mine and I told my roommate, I said, I think I'm going to marry that girl. And I did. Um, that was where I met Christy. And that changed my life. I mean, and and... She would tell you just as much as I would that we'll, we'll be married 20 years this, this year. And there have been some good times. There have been a lot of good times. There have been some hard times. But that's no different than anybody's marriage. Everybody's marriage goes through that, right? And so, so we did. But we just decided we were going to be in this together. We, and we were going to be in ministry together. And so as we, as we dated not very long and then got married not long after that, we we worked together in ministry. We moved to Burksville, Kentucky, which um, if you know where Burksville is, congratulations, because I don't know that anybody that's not from there knows where it's at. It's got a really nice lake and a really good golf course, and that's really all that's there. Um, but we we moved there to be the youth minister at First Christian Church there. And there we learned a lot of things about ministry, being married in ministry, and and what Maybe expectations were like, and whether those were great expectations or false expectations, and all of those kinds of things, but we learned a lot there. It was also there that we experienced some church hurt, um, really kind of for the first time church hurt and and let me just tell you that there is no kind of hurt like church hurt because you you think we 're a family we 're surrounded by people who believe the same thing as us who are. We're going to behave in a different way. It's it's one thing to be hurt by coworkers who aren't Christians. I mean, you kind of expect that at some point. But but church people, you expect church people to always have your best interest. And I don't know that. I'll say this: that church didn't maliciously do anything. All right, it wasn't malicious, but there was some church hurt that that happened. And so we left that church. <laughs> Let me be more honest about that. They asked me to leave that church. Okay, <laughs> uh, which is a humbling experience. Okay. Uh, we there were a lot of expectations let me just be clear about this I didn't do anything morally wrong there was no moral failure on my part or anything like that I didn't steal anything I I didn't do anything like that they just said you know we need to part ways and so we did and so we moved to Glasgow and at that point we said you know what we're done with ministry this hurts this stinks I don't want anything to do with this any any longer but there was a church that we had moved in across the street from. That's where our house was in a subdivision, and right across the street from our subdivision was a church. We knew some people that went to that church, and you know, we weren't giving up on God. We were just giving up on ministry. And so we decided that we'd start attending that church. I got a job working at the hospital. Christy was already working there, and it was great. Um, the hospital job was probably my most fun job I've ever had, um, Sometime in another setting, I'll tell you some stories about working at the hospital. I worked as a security guard, big bad me, working as a security guard, okay? But it was, it was one of, probably the most fun job I ever had. And somewhere along the way, we started getting more involved in just church life there. We started just volunteering. I started teaching the high school Sunday school class, and Christy was, was with me doing that. And, and God began to kind of start healing some hurt that had taken place. And we were surrounded by people who, who knew that we had some church hurt. And they were eager to, to help us walk through that. And, and not help, just help us, but to walk through it with us. And so we, we began to just kind of heal from that. And it wasn't long their youth minister left. He, he went to pursue another ministry. And they started looking for a youth minister. And they said, well, we've got one teaching the high school Sunday school class right now. Why don't we just hire him? And I said, eh, no, thank you. I said, I'll volunteer, I've, I, but I've done that before. I'll volunteer. I'm good to, just to do that. And I said, but I'll pray about it, because that's the answer you always give, right? You know, you, you can't ever just say no. You always have to say, I'll pray about it. And so I prayed about it. Christy prayed about it. And it wasn't before long we were back in ministry, working as youth minister, and, and we had seven great years at that church. In fact, there was some more church hurt that would come along the way, But those people loved us, and they invested in us. And and they did for for me and Christy and my family what we couldn't do for ourselves. Because if left to our own selves, we'd have just probably said, you know what? We're done. We're out. And I tell you all of that just to say this, that look, there are people in this congregation that you may not know about who are dealing with some hurt. And what they really need is not for you to give them a book and tell them things will be better, okay? Okay. Not for them to say, well, well, you know, God won't give you anything bigger than you can handle Because that's not true. What they really need is just somebody to sit and listen. Somebody to go to a movie with and just show that you care about them. And that you love them and that you want to be with them and you want to invest in them. And you want to not just help them with their hurt, but you want to walk with them in their hurt. And when you walk with somebody in their hurt, you begin to to... I think that's what Paul meant when he said, carry one another's burdens. He said, you're, you're, carrying, you're, you're making the load lighter for them. And yeah, maybe your load gets a little heavier for a season. But somewhere along the way, somebody will come and do that same thing for you. They'll come and lighten your load a little bit. And so we, we were able to heal from some church hurt. And Be back involved in ministry. And then we had a, a minister there, the senior minister at, at Glasgow was, is still a great friend of mine. And he said, Adam, I, you know, there's been some things happen in this church, and you probably need to pursue a, a preaching ministry somewhere. And I told him, I said, you know, I've been thinking about that for a while. And so he encouraged me to start doing that. And it just so happened that around, uh, around that time that we were having that conversation uh, Glendale Christian was having a conversation about hey we need to hire a new senior minister because brother Jeff had left and so I was looking at the open ministries page on one of the college websites and I said hey I know that church I know some people there I know Mike Bell and so I sent a resume <laughs> and I got a response from Mike and he said hey we want to do a phone interview we set that up with and so uh, Tim Isaacs was chairman of the board still chairman of the board Michael Hagen was chairman of the search committee so y'all can blame them uh, but uh, we did a phone interview, and I, when it was over, Christy said, "Well, how'd that go?" And I said, "Well, they won't call back." That might have been the worst interview I've ever had in my life. Uh, it was all ask a question, give an answer, ask a question, give an answer, ask, and that was it. And I thought, "Boy, this was bad. This was not good at all." And so I reached out to a couple people and said, "Hey, just give me an idea on what what they're thinking." And uh, they said, I think you'll be all right. And five years later, we're all right. We're not where we want to be as a church, I don't think. But I don't think you're ever where you want to be. If you're ever satisfied with, with how things are in the church, then, then I think we're missing the boat. Because look, there's always more to be done. There's always more people to reach. There's always more people to, to bring to know Jesus. I'm never going to, look, we can can pack this building and have five services every Sunday and they're all packed in. And I'm going to tell you, I'm never going to be satisfied that we're big enough, okay? Now, look, I'm not saying that I want us to be a mega church. If that's what God has in mind for us, great, that's what God has in mind for us. All I'm saying is that I want everybody that's within our sphere of influence to know the love of Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I want for us as a church. That's what I hope that you want. Look, my story is just that. It's my story. But I want it always to point to Jesus. Have there been heartaches and trials and problems along the way? You bet. Every, every story has. Every, your story has that, I'm sure. But I want my story to be, when I tell my story, that, that Jesus never failed. I, I screwed up thousands of times along the way. But in my story, Jesus never failed. My story is the story of grace and mercy and redemption. Because I'm not perfect. Neither are you. My story may not have these exciting runs of all kinds of things in it. But that's okay. It's still a story of grace and mercy and redemption. And so is yours. Your story, above everything else, is a story of grace and mercy and redemption. There was a song a couple years ago that was put out by a group named Big Daddy Weave. We hosted Big Daddy Weave at Central Harden. A couple of years ago and they have this story called this is my to tell you my story and that's how i want to end our message time this morning i just want you to to watch the the video to hear the song because this story he says if i were to tell you is a story of grace the story of jesus
1: If I told you my story, you would hear home.
0: a story to tell 2023 should be the year that you tell your story